Well, uh, before I begin, a uh, happy uh, Father's Day to everybody here today. Uh, and as we celebrate those who are fathers, we also, of course, want to express our most gratitude to our Heavenly Father, who is perfect and kind and good and loving. Um, today we're um, continuing our sermon series from uh, The One Another's. It's a sermon series that Pastor Mark kicked off a couple weeks ago. And, and what we're doing, just to kind of recap, is over the, the rest of the summer, we're looking at some of the One Another's in, in Scripture. There's, there's a whole bunch of them, over, over 50 in the New Testament. Uh, Pastor Mark kicked off with love one another, and then last week, serve one another. There's a, there's a whole bundle of them. Uh, and I, I had a, a, some, a call, a, some uh, high school students come to me the other day and said, can we preach on one of the one another's that's not listed? And that one was, greet one another with a holy kiss. We're, we're, we're not going to do that. Uh, um, um, but there are, there are a bunch of great one another's. But the one that we come to today is really, uh, it, it can be argued, <laughs> is the very most important of the one another's. And it's forgive one another. Forgive one another. Uh, the passage that Robbie read just a minute ago out of Colossians 3 is, is a passage that I often will use uh, during messages uh, for weddings. There's five or six passages that I typically will use, and sometimes others, but Colossians 3, verses 12 through 14, is one of the passages that I often will focus on uh, for a wedding message. And the reason being is because I really feel that it's critical, this idea of forgiveness is critical to the success of a marriage uh, for any relationship, much less a marriage. And as we look at that passage, we see that a couple things stand out. Uh, Paul begins by saying, as, as God's chosen people, dearly loved. You know, the power to forgive people really comes from an understanding that we are God's chosen people, that God has reached out across time and space and has chosen us to be in a relationship with him. And then the fact that we are dearly loved also should enable us. It's it's the center, the core out of which we are then able to forgive other people. You know, the experience of forgiving others is something that we all have from the time that we're a toddler all the way to the time before we, we, we go to the grave. Uh, because as human beings, we're flawed, we're, we're not perfect. And as we go through life, the things we say, the things we do, the things that we don't do, maybe the things that we don't say that people are expecting us to say, those are the things that sometimes hurt other people, let them down, and there's wounds. And so we all know the experience of, of having to ask for forgiveness, and we also know the experience of then having to extend or, or give forgiveness to others. The small things in life need to be forgiven, but also the big things in life. Now, Jesus himself spoke a lot about forgiveness. It's one of the themes that he hit upon uh, throughout the New Testament. He has much to say on it. For example, there's a time when uh, Peter comes to Jesus and says, "Uh, Lord, um," and maybe Peter had something in mind. We don't know. Maybe it was hypothetical, but I'm guessing he had a specific situation, a person in mind. He said, Lord, how often... Are we to forgive our brother seven times? Now, the reason that Peter would have said seven times is because that was kind of the the standard teaching of the rabbis in the synagogues, in the the law. Uh, We are to forgive people, but up to a point. There are limits on forgiveness. And so Peter comes with that understanding to Jesus and says, Lord, um, how, how often are we supposed to forgive our brothers? Up to seven times? And Jesus said, no. And then Jesus extended. Jesus said, no, 
You've heard it said seven times. I say seven times 70 times are we to forgive others. Now, Jesus literally didn't mean 490 times. He's using that as a way to say there aren't limits to how often we're to forgive. We are to forgive others and to extend it graciously and lovingly. Jesus also had uh, other points in Scripture where he talked about forgiveness. There's a, the parable of the unforgiving servant. You remember that story? There, there's a man who owes some money to his master. It's, it's not a lot, but he can't pay it. He's thrown in prison. Uh, but then the master has mercy on him. And then a, a, another friend comes along who owes that first servant a lot of money, or a little bit of money, and, and he doesn't forgive him. And, and then Jesus goes on to conclude the parable and say, if we do not forgive others, then God the Father will not forgive us. Pretty, pretty tough language regarding forgiveness. In the, in the Lord's Prayer, uh, in, in Luke chapter 6, Jesus talks about forgiveness. We often will pray this uh, in church or funerals or different places. And, and, we'll, and we remember what the statement is? Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. So there seems to be this link between God's forgiveness of us and our forgiveness of others. Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, took the idea of forgiveness and took it to a whole other extreme. Forgive your enemies. Forgive those who have the worst in mind for you, those who undercut you, hurt you, those who are against you. Forgive your enemies. Again, tough words to hear. And then Jesus exemplified, exemplified forgiveness most powerfully on the cross. When he was hanging on the cross just before he died, dying for something he did not do, dying an undeserved death, when he said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. So Jesus was forgiving them, even though they had not, not, not acknowledged what they'd done. They didn't even understand what they were doing was wrong. And Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. You might be saying, well, that's Jesus. <laughs> he was the Son of God. Uh, of course he could forgive. How do I forgive? Maybe you're sitting here this morning, and, and, and there's somebody who's hurt you deeply in the past, and you, you haven't really let go of it. You haven't forgiven them. Maybe a spouse or an ex-spouse, maybe a parent, maybe a father on Father's Day. Sometimes that can be painful. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a coworker. Somebody has, has hurt you deeply, and you just quite haven't brought your place, yourself to the place where you can forgive them. This morning we're going to look at a, another passage of Scripture as well. It's another, another situation, another story where Jesus teaches us something about forgiveness. It's in the Gospel according to Luke. It's in chapter 7, starting at verse 36 and going down through verse, um, excuse me, 47. And this is a, a, a pretty well-known story. It's about this woman who understands grace and forgiveness and about this Pharisee who does not. Luke 7, verse 36. Now, one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, 
and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who was touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Simon was the Pharisee's name. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he canceled the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little, loves little. So you have this situation where there's this Pharisee who was a religious leader. He would have been well-respected, kind of a pillar of the community, good reputation. And Jesus comes to his house for dinner, and there's this woman who has the exact opposite reputation of the Pharisee, a woman of, of ill repute, obviously somebody who has sinned a lot. She has a reputation. And they both respond to Jesus differently. And Jesus responds to them according to their response to him. The woman, Jesus said, knew her sin. And so her many sins were, were forgiven. She, she laid herself out, poured herself out literally. She, she wiped his, his, his feet with her tears and perfume, and she wiped his his, his feet with her hair. She did not care. She made a public spectacle of herself. She came to Jesus. The Pharisee did not. Jesus said, but he who has been forgiven little loves little. It wasn't that the Pharisee hadn't sinned a lot. He had. Probably just as much as the woman. It's that he didn't realize that he had sinned. And so he, had, he, he did not receive the forgiveness of Christ. You know, the power to forgive comes from this whole dynamic. The power to forgive comes from the experience of knowing that you're a sinner, sinner who needs to be forgiven. Let, let me repeat that. The ability and the power to forgive others comes from the experience, the realization that you yourself are a sinner who is in need of being forgiven. Let me tell you about a, a guy that I knew who Kind of a similar story to this, uh, this woman in this story. Uh, when I was on a mission trip to Ecuador several years ago, uh, we met a really incredible guy named Luis. And Luis was very outgoing. He was kind of a kid magnet. I mean, everybody just loved to be around Luis, sort of an infectious personality. And, and he was going into the ministry. And, I, and as I got to know him, I, I heard his story. And his story was just blew me away. He had been a, a pimp. He had been a pimp and had abused uh, his girls uh, and, and, but eventually had found Christ. He, he, and and, and he, he knew the depth of his sin. And, and because of that, he did not hold anything against anybody. Quick to forgive, full of life, did not take uh, offense at anything because he knew the depth of his sin. And he was full of joy and full of freedom. 
He was able to forgive easily because he knew that he was a sinner who was in need of being saved, of being forgiven. So the first thing we want to highlight is the power to forgive comes from the experience, the realization of knowing that you're a sinner who's in need of being forgiven. Jesus said those who, um, who in this passage basically says, those who understand their sin, the depth of their sin, um, will experience the forgiveness of, of the full forgiveness of God. Secondly, forgiveness is costly because it requires us to give up the right to get even. Forgiveness is costly. It costs us something because it, it requires us to give up the right to get even. Um, it, it, you know, in, in the Old Testament, uh, it, was a, it was kind of a different, different mode of dealing with, with issues of, of forgiveness. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, arm for arm, leg for leg. Kind of a ruthless way to do it. I mean, it is just, I guess, in dealing with relationships with others. But it's really not a good way to do it as human beings. Otherwise, the world would be full of blind, toothless, armless people. We, we, we want up our pound of flesh. We, we want to, to hang on to that right to get even. But forgiveness asks us to give that up. To give up that right to get even, to give up that right to feel superior to others because we're not the ones who did wrong in the situation. But thank God that God does not think that way. He has every right to get even with us for our sin, our rejection of him, our rebellion against his ways and, and in this world. And yet, on the cross, God gave up the right to get even with us when he sent Jesus Christ to the cross. It cost him dearly. And we are to follow his example and to give up our right to get even. Thirdly, forgiveness chooses love and mercy over revenge and leaves justice to God. The reason that it's sometimes hard to forgive is because we want justice. And that the desire for justice is, is something that's natural to human beings. It's, we're created in God's image. And God is a God of justice. God is a just God. And because we're created in His image, we want justice. And it's not a wrong desire to have, but we must remember that we're not God. Because so often our sin will distort God's image within us, this desire for justice, and it turns into revenge. But Jesus says to that, judge not, so that you are not judged. Now, many things in our world that we see do not get resolved to our satisfaction. Maybe in our relationships with our family, maybe in our relationships at work, maybe in our country or world, things that just it doesn't seem right, it doesn't seem fair. Uh, those people sometimes who, who choose the wrong path flourish and, and they don't seem to get their just desserts. And it frustrates us and it, and it angers us. But it boils down to this question, do we trust God? Will we leave those things in God's hands and trust that he will do what is right, that he will do what is just? Do we trust him? Because if we do, we will choose love and we'll choose mercy over revenge. In other words, we will forgive and leave those things in God's hands to sort out in his will and in his wisdom. Fourthly, however costly forgiveness may be to us, it requires us to give up the right to justice and give up the right to get even in God's court. However costly forgiveness may be to us, it does not compare to the cost of unforgiveness. 
a good friend of mine in this church, a wise woman, has often quoted this to me, and I think it's great. Bitterness is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. Isn't that true? Bitterness is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. When we choose not to forgive, the cost is much, much greater to us than choosing to forgive. When we won't forgive, it turns us it bitter. It does something to us. It, it makes us hard-hearted. It, it puts a, a kind of a blockage between us and other people, a blockage between us and God. We want to hold on to our hurt and our, our right to be angry. We want to hold on to our pain, to hold on to the edge we have over that other person. Maybe they haven't said they're sorry. Maybe they said it, but they really didn't mean it, we think. Maybe it hurts so badly. But if we choose not to forgive, the cost is much greater. It'll end up hurting us. It'll end up poisoning us. It'll end up changing us. When we do not forgive, it's like being chained to the hurt and the pain of the past. And it keeps us from moving forward in life. It keeps us from becoming the person God has intended us to be. But when we choose to forgive, we're able to move forward and regain our joy. Regain our love, regain our peace. Jesus said, if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you. And that's harsh, but it's prescriptive. It's for our good, it's for our healing. Because if we can't forgive other people, then it shows that we truly don't understand what Christ has done for us. And if we can't forgive other people, it shows us that we truly don't understand grace. So remember, remember how costly forgiveness is. It does not compare to the cost of being unwilling to forgive others. And then finally, forgiveness cannot change the past, but it can change our future. There are still consequences for our actions. Forgiveness does not change that. If you're a parent, you know how that works. Uh, you forgive the kids, but you give them consequences so they can grow and learn. Forgiveness doesn't change the past, cannot erase what has happened. But forgiveness can change the future, both for the forgiver and both for the person who is being forgiven. In a previous church, there was, there was a couple that... Uh, worked with our youth. They were fantastic people in their mid-40s at the time, and, and um, they had a teenager themselves. Great people, just uh, always there, uh, just really fun to be around. Uh, and as I got to know them, I, I began to hear their story, and it, it kind of it blew me away because um, they'd actually been married and divorced and then remarried. Something had happened in their marriage, and uh, I won't go into details, but they both had made mistakes. They both were unwilling to forgive. They were hanging on to the pain, and and even though they were strong believers, even though they had a witness in the church, they were unable to work through those issues. And they divorced. And it didn't happen overnight, but over the case, course of eight years, over eight years they began to work through issues and eventually come to the point where they both said, let's let go of, the, of our own right to be right. Let's let go of he said, she said, he did, she did. And they were able to come to the place where, where they were able to forgive each other and, and they remarried. And what an incredible witness for the church and for the youth and for, particularly for their, for their son 
Forgiveness didn't change the past. They still had things to work through. They could not erase what had happened, what each had done. But it changed their present and it changed their future. And they were able to relate to each other better. They were able to relate to other people better. They were more free. They were more loving. They had more peace. They were more, they were more Christ-like. And they were able to move on into the future that God had for them. Forgive one another. The Apostle Paul said in Colossians 3. And, and Jesus on multiple occasions said, we are to forgive others. Paul tied them together and said, we are to forgive others as Jesus Christ has forgiven us. In our own strength, we cannot do that. We simply cannot. But in the strength and power of Christ, as we understand his grace, as we experience his forgiveness, we can We can forgive others. Before Paul comes out with our closing song, I want to ask you a simple question. This is is for you to kind of ponder and to think about, but I encourage you to to, to do that. Um, Who do you need to forgive? Uh, Who do you need to, to forgive and let go of the pain and the hurt? What do you need to forgive? The things that, that, that uh, we need to forgive, if we come to Christ asking for his help, he will enable us to do so. Love one another, Paul said. Love one another as Jesus Christ has loved you. And he said, forgive one another as Christ has forgiven you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we thank you for what you've done for us. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. And we thank you for the gift of forgiveness when we come to you and acknowledge our need. We thank you that what Christ has done for us once and for all on the cross is sufficient to cover all our sin. And we're grateful for that, Lord. In light of that, Father, How can we not forgive others? Help us, Lord. Help us to get to the point where we can forgive others, to work through the issues in our lives, to work through issues of others, and to forgive. To know freedom and to know peace, to know reconciliation. If not with others, that we'd have a greater relationship with you. Thank you for the grace and the mercy that is ours. Thank you for your your forgiveness, Lord. Help us to forgive others as you have forgiven us. Amen.